this community. I just want to... This is such an amazing place. And I just love like being a part of it. I love being a part of this community. Um, and if you are here for the first time, man, welcome here. Uh, we are so excited to have you in this place. Um, and uh, it's a Sunday night. You could be doing anything else, but you chose to spend it with us. And that is such a huge honor. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And welcome here. Tonight, we are starting a new series. It's called The Greatest of All Time, uh, and we're going to be unpacking one of the most famous, one of the most celebrated, one of the most quoted passages of Scripture, like, ever. And so, um, for those of you who are coming from within the church, you're probably going to know it. And actually, for those of you who maybe this is your first time even in the church, I'm willing to bet that you've probably heard at least part of it somewhere else. Um, it has been used in movies. It's been used all over the place. It's quoted at funerals, in musicals. In fact, it's inspired artists like throughout history from Pink Floyd to Kanye West. He's used some of these passages of this particular passage of Scripture, even in some of his songs. This passage that we will be looking at throughout the next couple of weeks uh, is none other than Psalm 23. And it's one of these passages of Scripture that we would consider the greatest of all time. And so this passage, it's monumental. Uh, its influence has been seen throughout history, touching people all the way from ancient times through the Renaissance, the Enlightenment period, all the way into the modern era. Um, it is um, an amazing passage, um, but it has been quoted so many times um, in times of like trial, and many people have experienced the peace and the joy that comes from this passage. It is nothing short from revolutionary, and yet, I think with how often it's been quoted and how often it's been trivialized in pop culture, how quickly it's been recited, over and over again we've heard this psalm. I think the power of this scripture maybe has been lost on us. So tonight, I want to relook at this amazing passage of scripture. We're going to walk through it slowly. And, and we're going to explore the reason that really made this passage of scripture so famous to begin with. So, before we do that, I just want to acknowledge for a moment um, that perhaps for some of you, this is your first time to church. Um, or maybe you were invited here from a friend or uh, you were in church like a long time ago. And perhaps you've studied the Bible yourself and maybe you've even said to yourself, hey, you know what, I actually, I don't believe in any of this stuff. Um, and maybe you've even had uh, a negative experience with church um, or a negative experience with uh, Christian people. And on behalf of like the church, I don't, I can't really speak for everybody. I want to say sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry but that you had that happen to you. But we are so glad that you are here tonight, and so you are so welcome here. And, and I don't want to like, get super into it, but um, I'm just glad you're here. I'm welcome and welcome here. Um, and if you're tonight here, and you're maybe just searching, or maybe you're just looking for like, a new group of people to hang out with, we honestly love that. And, but what you'll find here is that this group of people, a lot of people here, are Jesus people. We love God. But another thing that we love is to like love others. We want to show people who our God is by the way we love others. And so, yeah, just wanted to welcome you here. Um, you can belong here before you believe. And so we, want, we are so excited to have you here. Um, part of what makes this community so special uh, is because of who we believe God to be. Right? And so um, he loves us, he cares for us, and that is what I want to explore with all of you tonight as we open up Scripture, who God really is. So, if you have your Bibles with you, um, we're going to jump right into it together. Um, and so, we're going to be in Psalm 23, um, as you may have guessed. And uh, being so familiar, I kind of figured, um, why don't we read it together? So, if you have your Bibles out, 
Um, get them out. You can have your phones in church. Grab out your phone. Grab out your favorite Bible app. Uh, it's also going to be up on the screen uh, in a moment. And then we're going to read through this passage together. All right, there it is. All right, so let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. All right, so we have this amazing passage of Scripture. And um, in a bit, we're going to be breaking it down. We're going to kind of walk through the first two verses. But before we do that, um, to intro the series, I think it's really important, as it is any time that we open up and we want to study Scripture, is to understand the context in which the author was writing this passage, what they were trying to communicate, uh, what was going on with them and around them. So the book of Psalms, it's a really interesting book. Uh, it's a book of kind of what it sounds like, songs or poetry, originally written in Hebrew, um, the language of the Jewish people back then at that time. And so it's been used frequently throughout history um, in recitation and in meditation on who God was understood to be by the Jewish people. Um, the majority of these uh, songs were actually written by one of the most famous Israelite kings in history. Most of you know David the son of Jesse, uh, known to be a man after God's own heart. These psalms were written to express his emotions, his joys, his, his trials, crying out to God. They're full of metaphor, a deep meaning, and extravagant language. They connect us to the heart and the soul of the author writing them. And so we see here in Psalm 23, the heart and the mind of David. But upon writing it, David was not yet a king. In fact, his situation was very different. David was only just a shepherd boy. And, and both biblical scholars and, and actually Jewish historians note that when this psalm was written by David, the kingdom was still under the rule of a man named Saul, King Saul. And in this amazing account of Israel's history, it's found in uh, 1 Samuel, um, we find the context of the writing of this amazing piece of literature. And I can't get super into it because our time's so limited, but I kind of read through this, this book, and it's, it's amazing. So I'd encourage you to go home, read 1 Samuel. It's awesome. Um, I'd encourage you to check that out later. But basically what's happening uh, is in the history of the kingdom of Israel, um, there's this man named Saul, and he's elected to be the first king. Uh, and he's made that because he's, he's so well-liked, uh, he's so successful. The Bible even actually says he was one of the most good-looking guys around, which is crazy. He kind of had everything going for him. And this is this like, amazing thing. And so they have this king, um, but what happens is he makes a mistake. In one major selfish act, he actually disobeys God and rejects the Lord's like, word. And so God tells his prophet Samuel to go find a new king. And that new king was David. And, and so the spirit of God actually leaves Saul. And scripture actually says it came so mightily upon David instead. But David doesn't actually come king right away. Uh, he becomes king by this slow process, this working of God that kind of gets him into the throne room of the king. 
and through this process, and eventually he actually uh, stands up for the Israelite army and he defeats this guy named Goliath, who's this giant man and his army that's attacking the Israelites. And after that, the people actually begin to want David to be king more than Saul. Well, and this makes Saul furious. He's angry. And so angry, in fact, that he tries to kill David not only once, not only twice, but so many times that he actually gathers this huge army and he's chasing David across the nation of Israel. And he's on the run and David, so many times after times, he's he's narrowly escaping the army of Saul over and over again. In fact, at one point, he actually pretends to be like insane to try and escape death. With everyone out to get him, David is like in hiding and, and he's in this like cave and he decides to leave yet again a fugitive. He goes into this place called the Forest of Hareth. Now in Hebrew, that name is very close to the same Hebrew name for dry earth. This was not some lush green forest. It was a, a wasteland. It was dry, it was a desert. He was surrounded by death and fear. Exhausted, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. David somehow finds rest and restoration amongst chaos alone in this dry wilderness. And I feel, while maybe we're not being chased by some angry king, a lot of us sitting here tonight are feeling this. You are exhausted. And, and it's different for everyone. Some of you, you might work a you know, 10, 12-hour job every day. Uh, some of you, I know school's ended, but you're, you're living that. And, and maybe there's spring or summer classes coming up, and uh, you're probably not very excited about these new lectures and studying all night labs and reports and projects, group projects, which are obviously the worst. It never really ends. You all know about group projects. We've all been there. <laughs> um, some of us, we're working a regular nine to five, and every evening we're saying yes to things and no to nothing. Friends, you know, volunteering. Some of you are like renovating your house. Some of you just love cleaning all the time and um, prepping and planning and moving ahead, you know? And, and we're trying to be responsible. We're trying to adult well. We're trying to save up for a house. And these are great things, and we might even feel good about them, but we also feel this weight. Right? This, there's this burden that we feel and this tension of the things not yet done. The plans come, anxiety, and the lack of time to do any of them kind of just weighs down on us. And, and while we might have a lot of fun, and while we might actually get a lot done, here we are. And I think that's actually so weird that I'm the one to be speaking on this um, because the last couple of weeks, man... <laughs> They've been a lot. I've been doing so much. They've been the most busy two weeks of my life in the last like half a year, I would say. And anyone who knows me well knows that I do not do stress or rest well. So I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just reading the word of God. So we're going to learn together. I'm going to learn. You're going to learn. Let's all learn together. So, um, but you know what? Um, I don't handle stress well. And so these two weeks, they were so busy, but it was actually looking really good. Because I knew that weekend, on Saturday, last Saturday, my girlfriend Mariah and I were going to go to Thermea for the first time. Now, I don't know who here has been to Thermea, but it is amazing. I, like, I kind of at first was like, ah, come on, Thermea, really? It's a spa? I don't know. But who here has been to Thermea, actually? Okay, a few of you. 
It is like you have exited Winnipeg and gone into like Banff or something like that. It's like you're like in the mountains and there's this like Nordic like architecture. It just it's I mean when you see Nordic architecture, you're like that's relaxation right there. So um, <laughs> man, I, I actually loved it so much. It was so good. Literally spent eight hours there, just sitting in pools and walking into steamy rooms that smelled like oranges. It was the best. So like. <laughs> So much so, Mariah, she's here, she literally fell asleep on this, like, heated rock. And I had to, like, kind of stop her from the snoring. I said I wouldn't say that, sorry. <laughs> it was funny. Um, but there was a guy who was snoring louder than her, so it's all good. Um, I've been looking forward to this day, like, all week. Actually, for months. It was a day that I could finally relax, take a day off. And I figured, wow, you know, I'm going to be so rested for the next week. I'm getting so prepared. You know, I'm going to feel so good. Um, this was the best, because all week, because also all week, I'd been working on something extremely special that my girlfriend knew nothing about, uh, because this was the night that I would ask her to marry me. Sorry, it's not about me, but needless to say, that's not the point of the story. My mind was all over the place, right? So I'm at this place trying to relax, but there's all these plans going in, and so I won't get into the story. She said, yes, yeah, she's here. You can talk to her. Ask her the story afterwards. Cool. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, now I lost my place. What the heck? <laughs> uh, distracting. Um, so, yeah. Um, you can get the story later. Um, so the point is, though, my week had been crazy because I'd been, like, lying to her and, like, sneaking around. Uh, you know, like, it was just, like, it was this crazy thing that I was not used to. Um, but I had this one day to look forward to. No, no work to do, like, just time to celebrate, to hang out with my best friend, and, and it was going to be amazing. And this, honestly, though, this eight hours, it came and went, and it was gone. And it was an amazing experience but with all the celebrating late into the evening and then like the next day we had to like go run around, tell all the family, I was exhausted. Like I'd been planning this whole event and she's all excited and like, let's do all this stuff. And I was like, I am so tired. I like crashed hard. The day after I did absolutely nothing, like nothing. We were talking about wedding planning and I was like, no, I cannot. I, have, I need to sleep all day. And actually my body like gave up. Right? My body gave up, my immune system said, see you later, I got sick, I had to take a day off of work, and I slept all day, and I'm still exhausted, to be honest. So I don't know, like, we're learning together again. So, um, but I think a lot of us, right, like a lot of us, we enter these kind of patterns. Right? We, we work, we work, and we work, and we get super, super busy, and we take this one moment we have to catch up, and we just absolutely crash, right? And I want to suggest two things that I've observed, that I've kind of learned from my own life, is that first, we actually can get exhausted by doing good things, right? We can, we can get worn out by doing good things. None of these things that I were doing were bad. I was writing a sermon, I was getting work done, and, and I was planning a proposal. All pretty good things, but good things can exhaust us, right? And second, I don't think our generation, that most of us in this room actually know how to rest well. I don't think that we know how to rest properly, and so we go, 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 stressed out like crazy, and then we collapse into this place of doing absolutely nothing because we are so exhausted that we end up, all we end up doing is becoming these Netflix binge blobs eating self-care nachos. Those are so good, but I don't think they help very much, you know? And so <laughs> I don't think it helps. And so today, we're going to be talking about how do we rest well. 
And I think Psalm 23, it's this amazing passage of scripture for a reason. It has a lot to say about this because David knew how to find rest regardless of his circumstances. David knew one thing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right, see a shepherd takes care of his sheep. He's present all the time, he sleeps, he goes with his sheep wherever he goes, wherever they go, he leads them, he walks with them through their trials. He actually goes before them, checks things out, he's always present, he's always caring for the sheep. David was a shepherd, he knew this, right? And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I think that when we say yes to every good thing at the cost of actually taking some time to rest properly, it's because we don't trust this one thing. It's because that we, we don't trust that God actually goes before us and he has the best for us. That, that we feel this need to do everything right away and accomplish things so quickly to get everything done, to see everybody, that we have a hard time saying no because we either feel guilty about not doing it or we're afraid that saying no will actually put us behind, won't move us forward, we won't be seen as valuable or fun. How many times are you called up and yeah, feel you have to go out with your friends because you feel like you're not gonna be seen as fun if you don't say yes, <laughs> right? We, we won't feel like we're good enough we don't find success. I've, I mean, I've even spoken to some of you last week. You're like, man, I, I can't slow down. I, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep producing so that my life seems like it's, it's worth something, that I've accomplished something. We all have such a hard time taking the time we need to just step back and stop. And truly, and this, I, I think you should really think about this. Truly, I do think it's because we don't understand what God has for you. God has it already in store, your shepherd has gotten you taken care of, right? A very wise man in the Bible, he said this in Psalm 127, in vain you rise up early and stay up late, anxiously working for food to eat, but God grants sleep to those he loves. See, God actually loves to give us rest. It, God, God loves to give us rest. We find in this Psalm that after this, uh, the first verse, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Why? Because he knows we need it. He makes us rest. Because it's so important for our lives. Like, how many times have we blown up on somebody because we're like a little too tired and we're frustrated with them? It makes our relationships better. Like, how we interact suffers with people when we are tired. We can handle stress way better, resolve conflicts way sooner and easier. We get frustrated way slower. We can focus on things better all around, operating out of a place of rest is so much better for us, right? And, and last week here, if you, if, if you were here, uh, Ariana had this amazing message. She talked about discipline versus laziness, right? And, and so this amazing topic to kind of intro this uh, and to talk about work and, and discipline, Ariana actually took us all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the, the creation story in Genesis about how God designed us for work. Right, but here's the thing. Not only were we designed for work, we were actually designed to rest. See, we see a God who creates and builds this amazing world here in Genesis 1. We see him create the whole universe, working hard at his creation for six days. And so in part of his design of us, we are made in his image so that we are invited to do the things like God does. And so we work, we're creatives, we're builders, we're workers. But then after the sixth day, on the seventh day, this is what it says. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. 
By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. See, God models work so that we can work also. But then God also models rest so that we too may rest. We were designed for rest. And see, I think so often we see rest as kind of being this um, lazy thing, right? That it's, but it's actually, it's so needed. It's so needed. Here's the thing. Real rest, real rest, is never a cop-out for laziness. Resting and being lazy, like Netflix binge, is very different. I remember back when I was in university. So uh, it would be exam season, season, and I would be overwhelmed with all the projects and final papers and reports and all of these group projects, right? And, I need, and they'd all be due, like, right on the same day. Because that's how profs, I think they communicate. They're like, hey, let's make it all due today. And so you're, like, rushing. You're frantic. You're stressed out to the max. And it's crazy. It would get so crazy sometimes that I'd actually, like, skip class to catch up on the work that was due for the very class that I was skipping. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know. And so <laughs> when it came time to actually study, I would set myself up, right? We all do this. Uh, I, I got into the zone. We got to kind of get into the zone before we're going to study for a few hours. And so we get the green tea going, right? You get your favorite indie band going in the background. Like, not too energetic that, like, it's distracting, but just energetic enough that it gets you through those, like, five hours of study, right? And so um, I'm, like, in comfy clothes. Now when I'm writing sermon, uh, sermons, I got, like, my sage diffuser going on with um, sunshine something or other. Liquid sunshine, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it even smells energetic in there, right? And so, like, it's good. And then I'm ready. I'm sitting down and Instagram, texting my girlfriend memes and articles on what kind of pizza I'd be. Like, that's, that's what happens for the next two hours. You all have taken the pizza quiz. Don't laugh at me, all right? <laughs> well, well, but now, right, I'm scroll scrolling for two hours because I, I don't want to do the work that I'm supposed to do, but now I'm stressed, right? Now I'm spending all of my time up to two o'clock in the morning to get everything done, and then I'm exhausted for the next day, and then I'm even more distracted the next, right? Two hours of memes is not rest, right? Real rest takes discipline. Real rest takes discipline, right? And so we actually have to plan to have rest in our schedule, right? If we do, it's something we look forward to. Like, schedule breaks, going for walks, when we actually know that we're going to have time and space to rest later, it actually makes it so much easier to work now, right? And so real rest might actually even look like going for a run if it's actually your brain that is exhausted, right? And so uh, take time to schedule healthy things for your body so that it can be rested. We don't need to over-spiritualize this. Like, like, let's connect with God, let's pray, let's take that time, but let's also just treat our bodies, the temples that he's given us, well. Right? Like, take time to schedule rest. Eat properly. Right? We've all been told this. We all know, okay? You know what? Yeah. Drink water. I think that's honestly the biggest thing for me. I'm always dehydrated. I think we're always dehydrated. Stop drinking coffee. Right? I'm sorry, but like, like there's this like Christian mentality. It's like, oh yeah, I love coffee. And it's like coffee. It's like Jesus, then coffee. Like, cut it out. Come on. <laughs> Jesus and coffee are not the same. All right? <laughs> I'm just saying, sorry. Like, it's not good for you. <laughs> but I drink it all the time, so no judgment. Like, I'm just, I gotta stop. I, I, told, I told Mariah, I was like, this summer, tell me to stop drinking coffee. 
and I'm going to fight you, but tell me again. Um, so when we find ourselves in a place of rest, we're less stressed, we're more prepared for the work to come tomorrow. Having proper rest allows us to function at our peak. And God designed us to rest so that we can operate at high levels of efficiency, of effectiveness, not only for ourselves, but actually for the kingdom of God. Right? And so check this out. It ties in so well. In Hebrews 13, uh, 20 and 21 here. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work on what is pleasing to him through Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, we're not only made for rest, we're also made for mission, right? And so on earth, our purpose here on earth, if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter what you do for work, it's to deliver the good news and to show God's love to others around us. And if our main purpose in life is to extravagantly love the people around us, we're going to need some rest, right? Because there are difficult people to deal with. We're going to need to be operating out of a place where we're being filled up by God, by the rest he gives us, so that we can love out of our overflow, right? And so later on in the psalm, it talks about how God actually fills up our cup to overflowing, this is what God does. We have to understand, like David did, regardless of our circumstances, that God is going to give us and provide for us, not for our prosperity, but for our purpose. Not just for our comfort, but for the kingdom. Right? We shall not want of what we need to do the good work that God has prepared for us. Right? We rest so that we can be effective. We say no to good things so that we can say yes to great opportunities from God to do his work. And this work, yes, it's exhausting. But one of the most effective church planters in all history, the Apostle Paul, he knows this. He admits to this. But then he says this in Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Right? If we're going to love hard-to-love people extravagantly and show them who God is, we're going to need to get well-rested. Right? We cannot give up. We cannot grow weary, which means we're going to need to be diligent in the way we rest. And sometimes that means taking some time to ourselves. I'm an extrovert. This is extremely hard. To all you extroverts out there, you need to calm down. Okay? I need to calm down. We need to not see people all the time, 24-7, because we sometimes need, even though we don't always want it, we need some time to ourselves. We need some time to rest, to be still, a quiet place where we can take a moment away from the stresses of life so that we can conquer them later. Right? Isaiah, for example, went up to hear God on a mountain, encountered storms, fire, earthquakes, but it was in this quiet place, this still small voice, where he encountered God. The Apostle Paul, while he was not yet a follower of Jesus, was on this road, right? He was alone by himself, traveling down this quiet road, and that's where Jesus came to transform his life, right? Jesus himself, on the night before he went to die on the cross to save, like, the world from sin and death, to save all of us, all of humanity, spent time alone by himself in rest and in prayer. We need to rest. David, in the middle of one of the most dangerous points in his life, found rest in the wilderness, on the run, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because he knew who God was. 
And the reason scripture like Psalm 23 and the rest of the Bible is so important is that when we know it, when we truly embrace it, when we take these scriptures, take them as truth and integrate them into our lives, we begin to understand God more. And the way that we understand God, his character, what he has for us in our lives, it changes everything about the way we view our own lives, right? Everything flows from this understanding. The Lord is my shepherd. Arguably, the most important line of this whole passage is everything else flows from it. David found rest simply in knowing who God was, right? And I think that the more we understand God, the more peace with the world around us that we're going to be, regardless of our circumstances, just like David. And so I want to challenge each of us tonight. It's a challenge for me too, because I don't do this well. But how much time do we prioritize rest? How much time do we schedule it? Do we and like, do we take the time to actually think of like, when during the day am I actually gonna have some time to just be still? And most importantly, when do we have time to find this quiet place to meet with our creator who designed us to come into this space of rest with him, our good shepherd, to be studying this book here, to be getting to know him, right? So we can rest in who he is. Right, for those of you who are here tonight and perhaps you're saying to yourself, you know, I don't actually know a lot about this God that you're talking about. Um, perhaps you've had an idea and maybe this is fairly different, this God that actually invites us into rest and desires for you to have like good things in your life. Um, this God who actually cares for us, right? He wants the best for us. We would love nothing more than to like tell you more about him. Uh, and um, we would love to actually have you get to know him. And it starts in this community. This is why I love this community. We can learn together, we can grow together. Even me talking here about rest on this stage, even though I'm exhausted, we can learn together. And that's an amazing thing about this community. But it also starts here, it starts here. And I think um, if any of you, you, you know, maybe don't have one of these, it's an amazing book, actually 66 books. It's the story of God and his mission to restore his people. It's a beautiful story. Uh, if you don't have one, we actually, uh, we have a few at the back at the info bar. I'd encourage you to pick one up, give it a read, get into it. It's an amazing story. Uh, come talk to myself after the service if you want to know more about who we think God is. Mark, Zach, Brittany, anyone on the dream team will tell you why they love this God that we call shepherd. And maybe some of you here tonight, uh, maybe some of you here tonight are actually truly exhausted. And not just the regular kind of exhausted. I'm talking about the kind of like crushing exhaustion. In fact, while maybe it's not an angry king, who's trying to kill you, who's trying to take your life, perhaps a few of you here are actually internally fighting for your lives. Or you're exhausted. Maybe you're ready to give up. And our problems might look very different from these historic wars that we find in Scripture in 1 Samuel, these intense battles and David and Goliath, all of these things that are so, so intense, these dramatic tales that like happened in our history. But, but our struggles are no less real. They're no less large. And I just want to say to you right now, if this is you, God sees you. God sees you. Just as David, just as he saw David, there's no struggle that you're going through that God thinks is too small, that anyone here is ever going to tell you just to get over it. Our Father is near to the brokenhearted. He's near to those who are suffering and he wants you to know him. And if that's you, don't walk out of here without talking to somebody. I would love to talk to you. I wanna encourage you. There's a, gonna be a prayer team at the back. Um, there's some amazing people who are gonna be at the back and actually throughout the side and into the front, they're gonna be, they, they wanna pray with you. 
Um, and if, if you're not somebody who actually um, really wants prayer, you're here and this church thing's kind of weird, they would still love to just talk, just to chat, you know? We're, we're here for you. This community is for you. We love you. We want you to be here. We want you to keep coming. Uh, don't go away without coming and talking to somebody. So here in God's flock, this thing that we call church, we find wholeness together in his care. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores, restores my soul. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, good shepherd, I just thank you so much for this community of people where we can grow where we can just be this gathering, this, this flock of your sheep, God. And I pray that you would just be with us. I pray that you would lead us to still waters. I pray that you would lead us to these amazing meadows of rest, that you would energize us, but that you would also discipline us, God. That you would make it known that we actually need to take rest. This isn't just only your work, that we actually have to like, like make the time to meet with you. God, I pray for each and every person who might be struggling, who might be exhausted, who might be on the verge of tears, who are, who are going through things in life that they never should have to go through. God, I pray that you would just ignite your spirit within them, that you would start a healing process now that would continue for the rest of their lives, that you would hold open your hands towards them, that they would come into this place, God, that they would know your love.